Lay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Nigga. Yeah. Alright, already the show goes on all night. Till uh. the morning we dream so long. Mm -hmm. Anybody ever wonder when they will see the thunder? Just remember when you come to the show. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast. You can find myself on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Always Press DFS. And to help me preview the 2021 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, Jesse is out of town on vacation. So we have the one and the only, Kevin Reardon, at Kevin's Delight, rejoining us. How are we doing, man? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me, and I hope Jesse's having a good time on his vacation. Yeah, I'm assuming it's vacation. That's all I, that's all I know. He said he's going to be out. Uh, he texted me. Uh, he told me a few weeks ago, he said, go see if Kevin can do the show for me. I said, sounds good. I'll see. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, you're like the you're like the unofficial third member of the show anyway. So it's fun to uh, to have you jump in with us again. Um, you've been hitting winners, so just let everybody know what you, what you went up to lately. <laughs> yeah, I was just kicking around the idea to start the year that uh, obviously I love uh, wagering on golf, love doing DraftKings, but thought it would be in my uh, my best interest to go ahead and start tracking the stuff and send out a weekly write-up for you guys over there. And um, it's been good. You know, hit, hit Harris English uh, um, at Tournament Champions, and we uh, we had a chop with Kokrak at Sony. And then we had Siwoo in the desert. Um, had a wash at Tory, which uh, which felt real good um, to not have a losing week uh, to start the year so far. And then uh, had Brooks this week. Yeah, this week with Brooks, like we can talk about the waste management a little bit. That was a awesome TV to watch because while everyone else seemed like they were melting down, Brooks was just doing Brooks things. Looked like he kind of felt like he was getting his swagger back, and it was good. To, it was fun to watch. And that chip in on seventeen, I don't know about you, but that was pretty darn awesome. So, uh, any thoughts on uh, what took place probably on Sunday at the waste management? Yeah, so I came downstairs. My daughter was wanting some hot chocolate, and. Uh, I, I walked right by the TV as Brooks was chipping on 17. I screamed really loud and scared her half to death. Um, but she was running around the house after that for a while going, woohoo, woohoo. <laughs> um, and uh, it, was, it was fun to watch. And um, I was thinking earlier, you know, they're talking a lot about um, rollback of equipment. And um, no equipment rollback you can do would, would keep a guy like that from uh, having a phenomenal short game and chipping in. Um, it, was, it was fun to watch. And, you know, I've always said it that, um, waste management is a fantastic appetizer for the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was. And it lived up to the hype on Sunday. It was kind of like you had some car crashes out there. Then you had some guys doing things. It was, you know, the final the final group, none of them shot better than 70. And literally, yeah. if, if they shoot like 68, they probably win the darn thing. It was one of those things that was just you didn't really have to play out of your mind to, to do it. So it was interesting to watch. Uh, what's your thoughts on speed? Like, that's an interesting one. I was golfing on Saturday, and I look at my phone afterwards, and I see him in the lead going 10 under on the day. I'm like, what in the world? And then I see he's still not hitting fairways. So it was just scrambling galore. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Friday he had a pretty good driving run. I can't remember if it was uh, 10 or 11 or 12 fairways on Friday, but it was really solid on Friday. Um, obviously, 61 Saturday was fantastic. Chipping on 10 was a pretty big deal. Um, but to make 10 birdies, even Xander said that uh, he knew the course was gettable, but he didn't think 10 was getting uh, getting done on Saturday. Um, and then Sunday, it's incredibly difficult to follow up a really low round with another one. And the guys talk about it all the time. You see someone shoot 62, 63, there's a pretty good chance they're not going to do it back-to-back -back rounds. Every so often you see a guy nowadays make the cut on the number and then go deep on the weekend. But um, it's, it's awfully hard to do. 
he's fun to watch. Um, it's disappointing that both he and Xander didn't put up a little bit better fight um, until late on the round. Xander kind of got going Sunday. Um, but man, it's good to see Spieth back, even even for the guys that don't like him. He's he's tough to watch at times with as much as he whines and cries. But it, you got to have some of that in golf. You know, yeah. people don't like Reed to an extent. Um, people find it hard to back um, some guys that are, are like that. But you have your villains, and you have the guys that are uh, easy to root for. Yeah, it, I'm not I'm not the biggest Spieth fan, and he annoys me quite a bit. But I. I know what you're saying. It's like in baseball, as much as you hate the Yankees, them winning's a good thing. Like you want, and, and you saw it on 18 with the limited fans that were there. Even when he, he finished up his round, like there was a big round of applause because, like, yes, yeah, Pete's in the final group and he's competing. Like it's fun for golf to see him there. There's no question about that. Uh, Xander coming up short, that shot on 17, like I cringed for him. Like literally, you, you're a PGA pro and you're a very good golfer. I I'd imagine I know you're trying to go for the green, but it's one of those. If he even pars that hole, he's got a shot. He birdied 18. That's hindsight. It's one of those though. You just gotta hit a straight shot and give yourself a chance. He completely just duck hooked that thing. Like what? Yeah. What do you what do you think went on there? I guess <laughs> it's man. Golf's a hard game, and yeah, <laughs> um, you know I I think Feinberg and uh, and Chet got into it a few weeks ago talking about female closing and. Um, for those guys who who don't have multiple wins, it's it's tough coming down the stretch. And um, you know, top fives are hard enough as it is, but but winning is even more difficult. Um, and and you feel it, and it's um it's great drama. And you'll you'll see guys like X and Fina close it out more. Oh yeah, no, their time's coming. They're still super young, and it's one of those things. You know, I think it's X's tenth second place. I think Fina is like eight since like 2018. And, and and X has four wins, but he hasn't had one in over two years. So right. you can tell the pressure's there. And you could see it towards the end there. He was hitting shots that, you know, on a Thursday or Friday, he's piping. Like, you're yeah. not even worried about it. It's just, it's just like you said, golf's one of those games, a mental game, and it's a fun game. Uh, one one more thing I want to bring up. You mentioned the the equipment rollback. And as a guy that golfs like you do, and there's a lot of different comments, like Webb had his comments, Rory had his. Where do you stand on that? Because you made a great point. I don't care how far you hit it or how much you want to tame it back. A short game is a short game. So in general, like, are, what are your thoughts on what they're trying to do? I think there's so much more to golf than just the equipment, right? It's, um, it's the space between your ears. It's obviously very important. Um, it's, it's, you know, the way you attack the game. Not everyone is going to be Bryson or Rory or DJ. I mean, guys like Webb who love to hit fairways and, and hit it in their close and um, make a bunch of putts. I've played with Webb, and um, it was just phenomenal to see his putting one day when we were playing out at Quail, and I've never seen a better putter in my life. Um, and you've heard Bryson talk about it. his his goal is distance, and he's going to bomb it. He, he doesn't practice much putting anymore. And um, There's so many aspects of the game that, that guys can attack, and the equipment's not the piece you want to attack. Yeah, like I, I kind of like the web set because I'm not a big hitter. Like, so I kind of play the web game more than I do the the big guy game. I I take pride in my short game and my putting, but that's just what I do. I liked what Webb said though. He said it's like simple things of you know add a bunker here, maybe put another dog, like put a tree here so they can't cut the corner. Doesn't mean you have to change the equipment. Just make them have to play a different golf shot. I think that's, yeah. I I thought that was a good way of saying let them do what they want to do, but maybe make the courses different type thing. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different ways you can look at. It. I mean, shoot, the hardest fairway on tour every year is the 18th at Sony, right? But the guys yeah. still play the hole under par. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, and there's little things like, you know, Tori, grow the rough out, or just little little things that just changes it all. And I think, I'm hoping they kind of find that instead of taking equipment back. Obviously, it won't help the amateurs because they're not messing with us, but it's for the pros, and I want to see him. You know, if Bryce wants to hit one 400 yards, that's fine. I want to see it. He only, you know, what, he had two wins last year? So yeah. that's it's not the end-all, be-all, obviously. <laughs> so let's just yeah. figure it out. Uh, it be fun to watch, but let's head to Pebble Beach. Um, fun tournament. This year, no pro, uh, no amateurs, of course, because of COVID. Uh, they're only playing two courses. Monterey Peninsula, the easiest of the three, got kicked to the curb on this one. So we got Pebble Beach. We got Spyglass. Nick Taylor's your defending champion. Um, you have you know Phil won it in nineteen. Ted Potter, Spieth, Vaughn Taylor, Sneds. Phil's won it a few times. Sneds won it a few times. So a lot of uh, past guys here. Before I get into the course preview, I'm doing. You've played Pebble, so why don't you give your thoughts on uh, what it's like playing that course? Well, that's fantastic. I played. Uh... The year of the the last U.S. Open, we played it uh, all the way back from the U.S. Open tee markers that are in the ground there on the tee boxes, um, and it was it was awesome. Um, I actually played Cypress that morning. First one's off at Cypress, and, oh, and man, <laughs> and last one last one off at Pebble. And, Podcast uh, over. I'm seeing you guys later. Uh, <laughs> man, it was it was uh, it was quite a day. We were uh, we were pretty lucky, and um, Pebble's awesome. You know, it's a place that anyone can win. You don't have to hit it 300, 350. You know. Um, it, it takes an all-around great game to win at Pebble, um, but anyone can do it. You know, like you said, you've seen Ted Potter win. Um, Sneds has won several times. Uh, Phil, um, guy like Scott Stallings comes up on the leaderboard quite a bit there. It, any type of game around Pebble uh, can make it happen. Yeah, well, when we get into picks, and I know you're a course history guy, I'm a course history guy, there's some guys that obviously thrive here because you've played it, and I've, I've, I was telling Kevin, I've walked this course probably – 30, 40 times between the Pro-Ams, U.S. Opens. I go usually multiple times a week when they're here. And you see guys when they're practicing certain spots on green, certain this and that, which they do at all courses. But I think at Pebble it's important because you have the smallest greens on all the tour. They're little postage stamps, basically, is what you'll hear. So you have to be able to scramble. So you got to be able to chip. And the contours of the green, they say it's some of the hardest greens to put on outside of 10 feet because yeah. of the undulations and everything. Um, they're not super fast. They run like 10 and a half, which compared to other tournaments, not that quick. But the POA aspect, the way they undulate and everything makes it ch- uh, tricky. Fairways are, are pretty wide. They, they compared like last week, so that's not complicated. The rough won't be grown out a ton. because. Well, I'm curious, actually, because usually they don't do much because of the amateurs. I wonder if they try to heighten it just a little. Not U.S. Open style, but maybe, you know, do a little bit more to it this week. I'm curious. I doubt it, but I'm curious. Uh, so you got that going on. And it's a second-shot golf course, like you said. It's, you don't have to be a driver. I think I was reading somewhere. It's um, the average drive length off the tee is the lowest on tour, basically. It's like 260 to 270 because there's dog legs out there. Like the third hole is a dog leg left. Guys try to, like, cut the corner. If you cut it bad, you're in big trouble. But if you cut it great, you're okay. Otherwise, Or you go too deep, you're in the the, um, the bunkers on the other side. Like there's all kinds yeah. of little angles to it all over the place. So it's a second-shot golf course. Um, you got to have a good scrambling short game, not a long course, par 72 around 7,000 yards. Spyglass, which they'll play one time, either Thursday or Friday, par 72, just a little bit longer than Pebble. It's more in the trees. It's more elevation changes, um, kind of slopey. So those are the kind of main differences, and the greens are bigger, almost twice the size as Pebble. The POA greens as well. So you're going to hear the POA golfers a lot uh, favor there. Before I get into the weather, what kind of stats are you looking at this week when you're picking your golfers? Yeah, I've really honed in this week on – on strokes gain tee to green um obviously ball striking and approach i think is big this week 
um, a little bit of strokes gain around the green. Like you mentioned, the greens uh, um, are fairly small. And so when you do miss greens, you want to try and get them up and down. Um, par fives are all fairly reachable. So anyone going for green and two um, needs to be able to get up and down for birdie or, or chip in for eagles. Um, and greens and regs gain for the for the guys that don't hit all the fairways and, and still get a chance to uh, to knock it on regulation. Yeah, the um, the par fives are very gettable. I, I, you you've played on six. Did you get there in two? I did. I, I was uh, I was pin high left. Um, nice and, and made an easy birdie. For those that don't know, it's like you have the water to the right. It's a beautiful view. Seven is right on your side of the green, but when you tee off. It's basically a hill, and you can't see yeah. the green for the most part. So it's like a blind shot in, and it, it's really cool to watch the pros like where they they hit it because you got to elevate it, otherwise you're coming in hot. Or there's, there's all these little angles. So it's a really cool golf shot. And, yeah, uh, that, that's a cool shot. The second shot into six, um, the tee ball at eight, where you just aim at the rock mm-hmm. and, and hit it up the rock. And then once you get to the edge of eight fairway, that sign that says no carts because a couple yes. years, ago, I guess maybe maybe a decade ago now, um, a couple guys drove the cart right off the cliff into the ocean. I believe it. It's it's, it's a cool spot because, like, when you get back to it's like 11, 12, and those they are kind of inland more. But that whole, I'd say, from four on to like 10, you're, you got the water on your right, like the whole time, basically. Yeah. And that's why it's some of the hardest holes because if it's windy, you are just getting smoked with that stuff. So it's, it's a tricky yeah. setup there for sure. Um, speaking of the weather, Thursday and Friday, they're, they're calling mid to high 50s. But think about it this way first, tea times in the morning are in the high 40s. You're not going to care a whole lot, but that if the, the cooler it is, obviously the less is traveling. Um, wind wise, they're saying seven to fifteen miles an hour on Thursday, ten to fifteen on Friday. The heavier winds in the afternoon. Uh, there'll be scattered showers both days, but not looking like a ton. Most of the rains coming late afternoons into the evenings. So that Friday morning, it should be nice and wet and damp out there. So they should be able to just kind of pick apart greens. So think about that as well. I'm assuming lift clean and play is going to be put in play. Over the weekend, it gets warmer but windier and probably less rain, but you're not worried about that. You just want to get to the weekend, and so that's out of your control. But um, are you going to look if, if the weather does – like if it stays simple like that where it's kind of negated for the most part, are you going to try to focus maybe more on morning guys on the second day, or are you just going to kind of let it rip? Yeah, maybe a little bit, not too much. I, yeah. I really the, – the big question in my mind right now is will DJ show up and play? I don't know yeah. what your thoughts are on that, but, man, you got – you got Genesis next week. You get into a, a portion of the schedule that's really good. I think you got Genesis, then WGC, um, the concession, and uh, you got I forget Honda right after that. You got a pretty good stretch. And coming back over from Saudi Arabia after just winning, um, and all the other names that have already pulled out, um, I would be shocked if DJ plays, huh? Yeah, I, I think he will because I know he's not sponsored by AT and T, but I think he's got like people he has to show up for basically that's my only thought but then again i thought okay no pro am she's not playing with you know wayne this would be the best year for him to take off like i'm yeah, out absolutely. going to la so it wouldn't shock me no but yeah. um i'm definitely when we get to talking picture in a second i'm not playing him at twelve thousand dollars like i just i can't stomach it we'll talk about that but um it will be interesting to see because we've lost like six guys already and it's yeah it's almost 8 30 eastern on monday night and i think there might be more coming so a weak field's getting much weaker and getting <laughs> yeah. much more challenging. But uh, let's get into those DK picks here. You got DJ at 12,000, Cantley at 11.3, Casey 10.4, Berger 10.1. You got four guys over 10K in a very top-heavy field. DJ way ahead of the rest. What are you doing up top here? <laughs> well, DJ in my model of, uh, of my six stat categories I'm looking at, he's number one in five of them. <laughs> <laughs> and the the one he's not number five or not the one 
that he's not number one in. He's twenty third, which is around the green. Yeah. Um, man, he's so hard to not play. But at twelve thousand, he's pretty much got to win. If he doesn't win, the rest of your lineup would be pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I'm probably going to gravitate towards Casey. Um, I really like Casey. Well, his course history here is great. His his form is obviously very good. Winning a couple weeks ago, um, but he's a guy that that guys just don't play a whole lot of. And and I'll probably uh, put the majority of my money on Casey this week. Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same page. Like what your model says, I agree with. Like if DJ shows up and wants to play well, he's going to just smoke this field. Like he should on paper just destroy. It. He plays great at Pebble, unless something crazy happens. He should be crushing it, but at 12K, like you said, he has to win basically to pay off because you're also going to start punting some guys. And in a weak field, that punt category gets pretty fragile real quick, and those yeah. punts better pay off. So it's it's really tricky there in that regard. I love the Casey call. I'm 100% with you. A 64th last year, but then second, getting run up to Phil a couple years ago, eighth the year before, like you mentioned, played great. Uh, 12th last week, a W the week before, and eighth the week before that. The eighth, I believe, was at Tory. No, Amex, at the Amex. So um, could be a good spot for for Casey there, a guy that kind of he can play the shot angle approach game, like not having to crush the ball. It's perfect for him. The question I have for you, at 10-1, Berger crushed many souls last week with missing the cut. Um, like over half the one-and-done fields played Berger. So for me, it didn't break my heart. But um, it crushed a lot of people. He finished uh, fifth here last year, and he finished 10th back in 15. It's one of those missed cut, possibly low-owned plays. Do you have any desire to try Daniel Berger this week? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, always beware of the missed cut golfer. Um, And a bunch of my time spent at Quail, you'd always see guys show up on Saturday or Sunday that missed the cut that week before, and uh, and those guys were grinding away. And um, a guy like Berger, seeing his buddy Spieth contend last week, uh, well, he missed the cut certainly fires him up some. Um, Someone tweeted earlier, I'll have to try and find it and and mention it in the Slack, but somebody had backed Brooks two weeks ago. He missed cut. He won this week. Um, Two weeks ago, he backed someone, missed the cut, and won the the, the next week. Um, And this person backed Berger last week, and so they're saying, write it down, Berger's winning this week. So um, there's a good chance you see Dan Berger there late on Sunday. That's funny. That's pretty funny. But, uh, yeah, I think he's an interesting play. We've seen it even last week. Harris English kind of choked. He didn't make the cut, but he came in less than 5% owned. And I'd play him again at 5% owned at Waste Management. Um, So we'll see how that goes. Before I go to 9K, you've played in Pro-Ams. Without the amateurs this year, because we always talk about how slow it is, so some guys like it, but a lot of guys don't. How do you think that might change the play this year? It depends on the uh, the personality of the player. You know, I think think some guys like it. it. for for some of the lower tier players, um, you know, a lot of these guys get a chance to play with buddies of theirs. There's plenty of these pros that um, are handpicked by CEOs of companies that, that they're friends with. So it's it's a comfort factor for some of these guys. Um, for the guys that don't have a great personality and don't enjoy the program aspect, then maybe they're going to play better this week. Obviously, none of us know yeah. um, in depth like who who those personalities are but there's no doubt that it'll uh, it'll definitely impact some players both positively and negatively this week all right let's head to the 9k range you got willie z at nine nine hundred dollars jordan speed at 97 jason day at 95 and i've heard his name everywhere already uh siwoo kim at 94 molly at 93 ricky fowler 92 burns 91 cam davis at nine thousand. where are you headed in the 9k range um, first player I go to immediately is uh, Frankie Molinari. Uh, 
you know, there's so much low affair with uh, Zalatoris now, and obviously Spieth's going to get some additional ownership after playing so well this past week. Um, astounded to see all the love for J-Day already this week. You know, I know he's played well in the past, but has not looked good at Farmers or last week at Waste Management. Um, I know I say beware of that miscut golfer. Uh, put so much love on him already. I, um, pretty easy to see he could uh, chalk bomb this week. Yeah, I'm with you. He's, I, it's just weird. He's gone fourth, fourth, second, fifth the last four years, 11th, fourth. So everyone sees that course history and is like, I got to play J-Day. But you, the current form is – it's rough. It's very, very rough. So you're going to play a chalky Jason Day. I'm not saying he can't do it. Uh, and, and like you said, we talk about the miscut golfer, but the whole goal is to get them low-owned. Jason Day is not going to be low-owned. So low that's, that's a big, big difference there. So, um, And I'm with you. Zalatoris, there's nothing not to like there. He's played here three years ago, got a 68. But the, the guy that's playing now is a lot different than that golfer. But I had Molinari circled at 93. I think he fits this course great. It's his first time playing here in the Pro-Am, given no AM. So that could be good for him because he played here in the U.S. Open. But coming in in great form, as you mentioned, an eighth at uh, Amex, tenth at um, Torrey, which is good to see. Then I think Burns at 91 is interesting. Debuted here 22nd and 18th the last two weeks. The only thing that kind of concerns me is he's really good because of his length off the tee a lot. He has other good aspects of his game, don't get me wrong, but he's one of those guys that hits it pretty darn good and pretty uh, pretty far. Not as necessary here, but maybe that will help him on the par five scoring as well. So I think he could be interesting as a lower-owned play, but Molinari is the guy I kind of focus to in this range as well. Yeah, absolutely. And and really Cam Davis too. He mm-hmm. he's um off to a good start this year and and really you could easily play Burns and Davis and and um probably get them at much lower ownership than you'll get Willie Z or Day or or um Speeth for that matter. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh Cam Davis has been a, a fun start to the year for him, so he'd be interesting to see how he plays out this week. Uh eight K range, you got Streelman at eighty nine, he's gonna be popular as well. You got home at eighty eight, Norlander eighty seven, Phil. Cam Tringali, Brendan Steele, Alex Noren, Ryan Harmon, Matt Jones, and James Hahn, and Matthew Neesmith. So where are you heading to the 8K range? Yeah, it's uh, it really shows you how weak the field is when you look at this range right here, and you're like, man, these guys are – they have been upper sixes, uh, sevens for the last couple of weeks. Um, the very first bet I placed this morning was was Streelman. Um, his course history is great. He's, he's uh, forms in good shape. Um Love Homa too. Those are the two guys I'm on right away. Um, and so when, when DraftKings pricing came out, it made me feel even better about my wagers. But um, in this 8K range, I will live with Streelman, Homa. I do like Noren a little bit this week. Um, and Brian Harmon. Yeah, no, this is a phenomenal range. It's one of those, if you don't want to pay up and you don't want to play with the riffraff, take a good chunk of this range. Like I, Nothing's ever safe in golf, but... Streelman, he's a he's a shorter course like stud, and it shows in his course history here. He loves playing here, and he's he said current form is coming in pretty well. Homa, we've been backing quite a bit. Heck, we debated playing him in a one and done last week, and he started out well, didn't play well on the weekends. I'm kind of glad we backed off yet. But yeah. 14th here last year, 10th the year before, his form looks really good. So I think he's intriguing as well. Um, we talked about him last week in the Slack. He finished 22nd, second the week before at Torrey. Finished 25th here last year. Uh, any love for Henrik Norlander? Yeah, absolutely. He's been playing good. He's on record saying that um, that he plays better the more and more that he plays. Mm-hmm. You know, he's that guy that um, he he needs a couple of weeks to get going, and once he gets it going, um, watch out. So yeah, he's he's a good play. Yeah, no, I like him. He's a birdie machine too, so he could have some fun here. I think the GPP play for me in this range 
is Cam Tringali because he's very, you know, course history, 64th, 53rd, 47th, miscut, nothing fancy, but the form 17th and 18th the last two weeks has me a little intrigued there. Um, I love Alexander Noren. I've been playing him pretty much all the time because no one ever plays him. And he's been, he has like one bad round that kind of ruins the whole tournament. So you don't get the whole what he did for you. If he just can put it together one weekend, very solid. So I like Noren at 83. Yeah. But you, but you can make cases for like, like Steele has never played well here, coming in in good form. You got Harmon. You got Matt Jones, who plays well here. You got Neesmith, who's playing well. But man, he's 6,500 last week, 8,000 this week. So it's all over the board. But, you know, my main guys are like Noren, Norlander, uh, Homa. Those are, those are who I'm liking. I think you can make cases for a lot of these guys. And neither one of us even mentioned Phil yet. Yeah, I, I can't stomach it. I, you look at the course history, it's ridiculous. Even last year when I basically said you can't play Phil because he's so old and not good, he still finished third. Like yeah, he loves third. this golf course, like loves this golf course. So I can't blame anybody. I still can't stomach $8,600 Phil, can you? Gosh, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I'd love to because it would be it would be fun sweat when he makes the cut and he's, he's uh, dancing around um, the top 10 come Sunday. But I mean, this 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 number, you know, from from eight thousand eight nine hundred, you can live in this. We haven't even mentioned Steel much, and and mm-hmm. I mean, he's a guy that he's fifth in my model. Yeah, um, I think Steel's like sneaky good on stuff yeah. like this. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but like with Phil, we had the same discussion a couple of weeks ago at the Amex where his course history is great, and he went and missed the cut. So I'm just concerned. Eventually, time catches up. Like Father Time's undefeated, so. I'm not saying Phil can't play well at this golf course, but to play well for four days might be a little tricky. So I don't know. It, it's it's crazy. I think he just wants to rock his aviators and do his thing, drink his coffee. I don't know, but it's uh, I can't stomach it. That's for sure. Yeah, it stinks. He's turning more into a character than the than the golf guy we all kind of loved at one point. Yeah, like when you watch the Tiger doc, you see the old Phil on there. You're like, oh man, that guy doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> Where's that guy? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 7K range. Let's go 7,500 to 7,900. What targets do you have in that range? Well, we had uh, Cooch withdrew earlier, so make sure you uh, you take him off your list. And he would have been a pretty nice play around Pebble. You know, doesn't bomb it. Um, can make a bunch of putts, but but obviously he's no longer there. A lot of talk about Malnati. I, I, I don't see it. I'd I'd much prefer to play uh, play Sneds, and um, I do like a little bit of Rafa. I think Rafa's uh, Rafa's been okay around here and. And certainly don't mind playing uh, last year's champ, Nick Taylor. He's he's had a good start to this year. Yeah, we're kind of on the same page. I think Malnati's interesting in a GPP. I wouldn't trust him in cash at all because he's all or nothing. If his, if his approach game's off, he's a disaster. And that's a big thing, obviously, at this golf course. So be very wary of that. Like he finished 11th last year, miscut, 35th, miscut, 66th. A lot of uh, in and outs there, even on the season, 10th, cut, 14th. So it, yeah. it's all or nothing with him. So it's a little sketch. I love Rafa. He missed the cut here last year, but prior to that, 22nd, 26th, he really plays good at this golf course. I think I want to say he like missed it on the number or like one off the number last year. Um, and he's playing – he wasn't playing good golf last year, but he's finding it again on the Euro Tour, 33rd, 35th, 4th. So I like his form coming into this. Likes playing pebble, likes this little pebble to Genesis swing before he goes to Florida. Uh, I like Rafa, like you said, at 77. Um, Nick Taylor I like at 76. Then a couple others that were on my list. Um, cause Iyer's never played here, but he's playing some pretty good golf right now. I kind of fell apart on Sunday at waste management, but he's playing decent golf. I think this kind of course favors him pretty well. Um, and then Doug Gim, he's missed both cuts here. So it's a little scary, 
But the form he's bringing into the course right now, I like a lot at 75. So those are some of the guys I'm steering towards. I know in the chat you were mentioning Scott Stallings. Do you have any interest in him? Yeah, I'll be playing some Scott Stallings. And the thing I was going to mention on Doug Gim is what a sadistic game we play with this golf DFS, right? You've got Day, who's in terrible form but has tremendous course history. Sneds, who hadn't played all that great, has tremendous course history. Doug Gim uh, is in great form and has terrible course history. Mm -hmm. So it's so hard to make choices when you're playing this game, and I think it's the thing that keeps bringing us back to playing uh, DFS golf. Well, yeah, because we know how golf changes from round to round, week to week, and some of these guys, like, form is more important than history. Some of these older guys, history is more important than form, and whatever narrative you can draw up is the way we're going <laughs> to kind of mold this yeah. model. But uh, it's crazy. It's crazy because you watch well, – look at Scotty Scheffler. Back-to-back missed cuts almost wins it this last week. Right? And that's why we play Scheffler all the time because we know he's got that in him. It's just Yeah, crazy. I beta. Now, yeah. I, I do think in that range that Doug Ginn may be the most popular player owned, just looking at yeah. – stats and numbers you know from from seven thousand eight thousand he he could be the most popular guy there and that's scary that, that takes me off of many and he very well could be besides the stats alone i know mayo talks about him like every week so in a field of this caliber that's a scary situation and definitely makes easy pivots we talked about in the slack chat like there's certain shock you can go for but in some of these ranges where there's not a, a ton differentiating guys like the 7k range you can play the ownership game and do quite well so yeah, yeah. Keep, keep that in mind. Speaking of uh, some more interesting players, 7,000 to 7,400, what uh, targets are you looking at here? Well, uh, after Stricker's week, I'm sure you'll see an uptick in ownership in Furyk. Uh, <laughs> and this this place suits him, right? I mean, yeah. um, he's going to find 90% of his fairways this week, and um, he's going to make the cut. I mean, at 7,400, he's probably a great cash game option. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's some name. Charlie Hoffman kind of uh, piques my interest a little bit. I know he's had some uh, injury issues. Um, I, I do like Adam Long, even though he's a fairly long guy. I, I do think that he'd be good around here. Um, your boy Stewie Sink pops a little bit. Yep. Yeah, he's in the top 25 of my model. Um, and a guy who uh, who I play a lot here recently is uh, Michael Thompson. So I, I, I kind of stick to some of those guys. Yeah, this, this is definitely the range where I love, like we talked about the Cork Cascade as well. It's the awesome range to do it in, to, to mix it up. And it stinks, like you said. I, I'm glad Stricker had a great week. It was awesome to watch, but I love Furyk at events, I guess. I talk about him at RBC Heritage. He's like shorter courses that, like Canadian Open was always one. Just give me one where he doesn't have to bomb it, and he can get his approach game on. Like you said, he might not win it, but he's going to make the cut more often than not, make things interesting. So cash game-wise, yes. I don't think he has the upside in the GPP you're looking for, though. So that's that's the tricky part. I'm curious. Like, this is a guy I seem to get wrong all the time, but Kyle Stanley hasn't played here in four years, but he's coming in with three straight made cuts. We know it's all about his iron play when he's on, which is what we want here. So Stanley at 74 is interesting to me. Bo Hogue is a guy I've been playing a lot in the 6K range. He's up to 7,300 now. Three straight made cuts, 36, 18th, 16th. He's playing really good golf, and he was a par five machine at waste management. He had at least one eagle. It felt like every day, yeah. so I think that's going to play well this week at seventy three hundred dollars. I look at him, uh, the Stew Goat, always a fan there. No, no complaints. Then I have three guys you can comment on if you want. I think if you're looking for GPPs and you're looking for like birdie makers, Mark Hubbard is a big birdie guy. Scott Piercy loves playing on Poa. He's seventy one, and then Sam Ryder's only seven thousand bucks, and he can. Uh, he can he's, he's making three straight cuts as well so anybody else in this range you're looking at 
Uh, not right now. I'm, you know, I'll, I'll deep dive into some of this stuff pretty good here over the next couple of days and uh, post anything in the Slack. You know, I'm not afraid to uh, mm-hmm. pump a little Willie McGirt or uh, <laughs> the dirt. Maybe, maybe a little Johnson Wagner this week. You, uh, you never know what I'm going to come up with. That's for sure. You always have one or two that you just go, hmm, what's Kevin <laughs> doing here? Well, speaking of the hmm plays, what stands out to you in the 6K range? Because in this field, it's usually not that great. Yeah, it's not great. But I do like um, – I've played him some Tyler Duncan mm-hmm. um, pops a little bit. In my model, um, Denny McCarthy, who's a, a, a great putter, uh, one of the best on tour. Um, so uh, those two, if I, if I do a much down in this area, those are two guys that I'll probably gravitate towards. Yeah. Like Brian Gay, he pops for course history, but we know the consistency is not there with him, but he, he loves this tournament plays really well here. He's 6,600. There's a few others you can make arguments. Like I wrote down five or six, but I can't even justify going all in on some of these guys. So like there's birdie machines in Bramlett. There's Hagee who's been playing well, but um, I think a popular one's going to be Riley at 67 after what yeah. they you know, saw last week. So I might you don't play any chalk down here at all. Don't play any no. chalk in 6k, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out throughout the week as well. All right, let's recap things real quick. Who's your number one play 10k and above. Uh, I'll go Casey. I like that. I'll say burger to be different, but I'm with you on Casey. Uh, 9K range, who's your top play? Go on Molinari. I'm going to go with you on Molinari. I'm not changing that one. Um, who's your two top plays in the 8K range? Uh, right at the top of that range, I'll go Streelman and Homa. I'll go Norn and I'll go Norn and Norlander to mix it up there. Um, 75 to 79, who's your top play? Oh, gosh. Uh, right now, I'll probably um, – his form's not great, but I'll, I'll go course history with Sneds. I like that. I'll go RCB, so another guy – it's kind of a, a wacky range for sure. It is. Um, 7,000 to 74. I actually probably like this range better than the 75 to 79. Um, who's your top play here? I'll probably go Furyk. I'll, I'll probably be on Furyk quite a bit this week. I think he's a safe, quote-unquote, safe play. I don't I don't hate that at all. I'm going to go with Stugo right now. So we just picked the two oldest guys probably in the field that might make the cut. So that's well, fine. Tom Lehman's in the field. <laughs> oh man oh that just tells and i think john daly is as well so just, he, he uh, is he is uh, do not play john daly people please do not play john okay. daly um and then we won't even go on the 6k we already talked about that um if you're building a cash lineup what are three names you'd start a cash lineup out with uh cash i would go i'd still go casey i'd go homa and i'd go furic yeah i had casey norin and sink those are three guys i like but very similar good- yeah, very, very, very similar skill sets and, and names we're looking at there. Uh, GPP, what are three guys you'd start out with in a GPP lineup? GPP, I go DJ. Mm-hmm. I would go Norin. And I would go Charlie Hoffman. That, that's that sneaky GPP. Um, I'm going to go Molinari, Homa, and Norin. But, man, I, I'm going to have to make one DJ lineup and get a single entry. I can't not have him if he does win the thing. It's going to be terrifying. Um, and then the and last he, thing we He's have, not yeah. going to have to play great to win. Yeah. No, he won't. He, he could – I don't want to say sleepwalk through this, but he almost could sleepwalk through this if he wanted to. It's it's one of those deals. Uh, he Literally, if the conditions are fine, he could shoot five or 600 pretty easily out here. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, obviously, you're going to have your best bets article out later this week, but – um, you said you clicked on some names. What are some of the, the picks to win you're looking at so far? Yeah, I've only uh, I've only placed two so far, and they're both Streelman and Homa. Um, before I saw their numbers, I was just diving into the tournament and 
based on course history and some of their form. Um, the numbers were too large, and I was I was glad to get on them pretty early. Um, I am looking a little bit at Molinari, um, looking at Bird or two that that miscut player that um, you know I think he's between fifteen and eighteen to one. Uh, um, but those are some of the names I'm looking at to win it. Yeah, I like those. I think um, I had Homer written down. I think uh, Norin at fifty. I'm always suckered into Norin, and then some longer shots if you really want to get dicey. I think RCB and Piercy are good, like top 20, top 10 type plays, just to yeah. throw those out there. I, I seem to have more fun. I talk about it weekly. Like, you know, you can go to your top 50 or f- plus 50 and above. I kind of have more fun looking at the 101s to, and longer. And who can top 20 here? I'll have more fun with this this range because especially in a field like this, we see a lot of guys, you don't, since you don't have to bomb it, you can make things quite interesting. So Yeah, absolutely. And then um, the, the horrible host that I am, I forgot about our fan share segment because I was just having too much fun here. So if you're still listening, I, just, I won't mention everything I had saved up here. But um, t- uh, for Poa Greens in this field over the last 10 events for DraftKings scoring, Jason Day, Dustin Johnson, Paul Casey, Nick Taylor, Matt Kuchar is not in the field anymore. So Patrick Cantley, so big names, as you'd expect. But one that stood out to me, par 72, around seventy or 7,000 yards. In this field, Brennan Steele, Vaughn Taylor, Phil, Sean Stefani, Jason Day, Charlie Hoffman, Paul Casey. So a couple names for you there. Uh, before we wrap it up, Kevin, any final thoughts for the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, for lineup construction, anything that's on your mind golf-wise? Yeah, I, I just jotted some notes down about WDs. Do not play Luke List, Sebastian Munoz, who's been in terrible form. Um, Cooch, Wyndham Clark, and uh, Aaron Wise. There might be one more, but I, I don't remember who it is. Um, yeah. But um, this is a, this is a great week. I, I know uh, a lot of folks don't like the tournament overall. Um, for those that have been out to Pebble Beach, played it, walked it, um, I don't care who's teeing it up. I'm going to have a fun time watching it. It's still cold out here on the East Coast, so uh, we love golf. I, I, I do enjoy this tournament being over and moving to uh, – the part of the schedule where we don't have multiple courses in play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm with you there. Like you said, the, the schedule coming up, they showed it. I think CBS gets this weekend in the Genesis. Then NBC, it's the Florida swing. Of, like you mentioned, um, the WGC down there. Um, you have Honda, the players. Like the the month of March and part into April before the Masters is. We have some fun golf coming up. It's going to be pretty yeah. freaking awesome. So match play is not far away. No, that's going to be fun too. And there might be fans by then, so that could be interesting. Um, and then you mentioned that just if you've walked Pebble or played Pebble, I still, like I said, I've been there a lot. I played Poppy Hills about a week ago, which is a part like right around the corner from Pebble. So instead of going the way in, I kind of went this, the back way to go by Pebble on the way out. And you just drive by and look at the place, and you're just like, oh my goodness, like it's it's beautiful. That's absolutely an amazing golf course. There's a reason why people drive there just to eat on the bench in the back to watch the 18th green, like random people play so just think about that way (laughs) it's pretty darn cool but uh kevin thanks for joining me my friend always fun chatting it up with you absolutely thank you no problem everybody check out kevin on twitter at kevin's delight i am at bdn trick the podcast at always press dfs this is your pebble beach pro-am preview catch you guys later 